Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hello. And we also have a special guest this week, Tom Pike. Hi guys. How are you doing guys? I'm pretty good. Sweet. Yeah, good, thanks. Cool, awesome. I've actually played some Magic this week, so that's something. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> um, I have played pretty much zero Magic this week. Oh sweet, oh, we keep... Roll reversal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, keep, we keep switching. <laughs> so how's your week been then, Sam? Uh, pretty, I mean, pretty boring. <laughs> Just played some Magic, and then using the bank holiday to decorate our flat. Cool. Uh, which I'm currently in the middle of while we're recording this. Um, but, I mean, yeah, nothing particularly interesting to report. Just played quite a bit of uh, Legacy. Okay, cool. Which is convenient, considering our topic for today's episode. Yeah. Um, uh, and I played some Commander as well. and really annoyed some people by casting Destructive Force on turn five. Hmm, sounds spicy. Yeah, turns out people like to have lands when they play Commander. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, a, a, a normal week. Cool, cool. How has your week been? Um, it's it's been fine. Uh, my sister-in-law got married this weekend, so it's pretty much just been focused on that. So I was I was at a wedding uh, mm-hmm. this weekend, and it was uh, it was fine. <laughs> 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 yeah, like I would have it's preferred just the, to like spend the rest of their life together, but rather than magic. Yeah, uh, yeah. Honestly, I would have preferred just to just to get some more chaos drafts in while they're up on Magic Online. But you know, uh, assuming she doesn't listen to this podcast, because oh, yeah, I no. it, like her hearing that would really piss her off. <laughs> yeah, probably. Congratulations to getting married. Would rather be chaos drafting on Modo. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, mm. I'm, I've done two Chaos Drafts this week. Uh, I've managed to squeeze them in where I've had time to. I've gone 3-0 on both of them, so I'm fairly impressed with that. Sweet, yeah, yeah. good stuff. Yeah. How about yourself, Tom? Have you played much Magic this week? Uh, I played a little bit. Um, I was down, played a lot of Legacy on Friday with awesome. Sam and a couple of other guys. Uh, just put together Blueback Death Shadow um, after breakout performances of the Pro Tour. Nice. Wanted to see how good it was. Yeah. That's, uh, Real good fun, real good fun. It is certainly it's really a deck, sweet. yeah. It's the deck that I'm currently playing as well in Legacy. All right. Have all just, have just all the Blue Mages just since Death Oak Shaman just latched onto this deck? Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I was playing the Paradoxical Outcome Monastery Mentor deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, I was just watching more games of that Death Shadow deck and was like, well, I've got all the pieces for it pretty much anyway. May as well just shove it together. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I was playing uh, Chetpile when it got banned, so it was a bit of a refugee from there. Um, um, I was just like messing around doing a couple of little bits and pieces but nothing too serious and um, as you, like I said I already had pretty much all the cards for it so I thought yeah let's let's see what it's like people I've, uh, I've spoken to trying to find watery graves at the moment so they've got <laughs> they've got literally everything else they just need watery graves yeah yeah literally up until this week I had more underground seas than watery graves <laughs> give it, <laughs> give it nice. a month give it a month Uh <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Sweet, okay. So Tom, as you're a special guest this week, did you want to give a little bit of an introduction on yourself? Still a little bit of background of playing Magic? Dropped it for a while and then got back into FLMs, it would be about eight or nine years ago. Got into it, it so it would have been Zendikar uh, first time around. Um, So I started out with like a budget mono blacks. Zombies, not zombies, sorry, uh, vampires list. Yeah. So I played a bunch of standard then, and like the FNM I was playing in, um, it ran standard and legacy back to back. And it didn't take me long to think, oh, I'm playing Core Blades twice a week, every week. Let's <laughs> see what else there is. Um, so, like, I jumped into Legacy quite quickly. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I pretty much fell in love with the format straight away. I still remember, like, a lot of what I played against that week. And uh, it was just amazing. Like, even though I was getting absolutely destroyed, it was just like, oh, what am I getting destroyed by this time? This is amazing. Well, how <laughs> can you do this in Magic? Um, it just... Uh, yeah so like from there like I really 
went deep into Legacy, um, like got a lot of different bits and pieces together. Like my favorite was my real first real deck, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> I still play it today. To be fair, I still love it. Um, um, sure. I mean, your wastelands are carrying you pretty far in that, in that deck, right? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I mean, like, there's a lot of people that just can't deal with a true name plus Lord. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. It's still like a Force of Will Days deck. It's still really respectable, I think. Yeah, it's still a blue deck. Like it might play creatures, but you know, it's a blue deck by by default, I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've like played a lot of Legacy over uh, last eight nine years. Um, that's mostly where I've stayed, really. Um, I've played a lot of modern things like that, but yeah, Legacy's really the format I love. Awesome, cool. I'm really looking forward to having some good legacy in-depth conversation a little bit later on in the show today. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, shall we crack a pack? Uh, yeah, is it going to be yes. something good? <laughs> uh, it's certainly different. We did promise, promise you last week uh, we'd do something a little bit different. Uh, so this week we do have a Fate Reforge pack. Is that an upgrade or a downgrade to M19? That's certainly an upgrade, I hope. <laughs> okay, sure. I think it, it almost does sort of tie in slightly in a way as well, given like the story of the M19 core set is all about Ugin and, and Bolas and the Elder Dragons and Taka and you know Nexus of Fate and the changing <clears throat> timelines and all that thing. Okay, sure. So I like know. it. I'll we'll accept see. it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what what we get then. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it'll be a fetch land. Oh yeah. That's a dream. So, up first we have Avon Surveyor. That is 3 and 2 blue for a 2-2 bird scout. It has flying. When it enters the battlefield, you choose one, put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on Avon Surveyor, or return target creature to its owner's hand. That seems pretty good. Respectable, I think. Yeah, I mean, 5 mana, mana wall with flying. Yeah, I'd take that. Yeah, I mean, by default it, it is the pick so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> it certainly feels a lot more interesting than the M19 cards we've had. Yeah, I agree. Well, the flexibility alone makes it pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely. Cool, so up next we have Typhoid Rats. That is one black for a 1-1 one, one with Death Touch. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would probably end up playing it in like any black deck. Like, even if it's a 1-1, one, one, like it's still a Death Touch creature. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah, the, sure. the Avon Surveyor... You're not excited to take it, but it, it does the job. Yeah, sure. I think the Avon Surveyor just flies above it, though. So mm-hmm. you have to pick that <laughs> over sure. the rats at this point. Mm-hmm. And next up we have Ethereal Ambush. That is three, a green and a blue for an instant. Uh, manifest the top two cards of your library. So manifest, you uh, put a put the card face down on the battlefield, and it becomes a two-two. You can turn it up at any point by, by paying its face up uh, mana cost if it's a creature card. Uh, I think I think that's quite good. Potentially, um, yeah, I think manifest was one of those like mechanics that just didn't quite get there. It's like a really yeah. interesting design, but I think like unless you have like a lot of like really good like top deck manipulation, like you would just just sort of fail to get the value out of it sometimes. Sure. Yeah. I don't... I don't think I like being pushed into two colours by something so mediocre, I guess. Yeah. I'd rather just have the manual. Sure, sure. I think I'm the same there. Mm-hmm. Cool. So up next we have Dragon Bell Monk. That is two and a white for a human monk. That's a 2-2 two, two with Vigilance and Prowess. Uh, I guess it depends how spell-heavy your deck is. Yeah. Like It certainly doesn't beat the uh, the first pick. Yeah. yeah. Like Being able to prowess um, to like avoid trading with the morph creatures makes it kind of interesting yeah definitely I just think it requires a little bit too much work to be exciting as a first pick yeah oh sure. yeah for sure but I think a, a 3 mana 2-2 two, two with Vigilance like if it was just that that would be so much better than any of the M19 cards 
<laughs> right, is this just an excuse for you to just talk crap on... Oh, I'm trying really hard not to you, but it's probably going to turn into that. <laughs> it's, like, it's not oh. working. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't want to take this card, but it is much better than M19, <laughs> regardless of what card it is. Yeah. It could be a grizzly bear, but like it doesn't have the M19 symbol, so it's not <laughs> Exactly, like it's got an Abzan watermark on the text box. How much better is that? Um, sure. Okay. Sure, sure. <laughs> cool. So sticking with that, Aaron Surveyor is the first pick so far. We've got our mm-hmm. next card. It is Enhanced Awareness. That is four and a blue for an instant. Draw three cards and discard a card. Um, isn't this isn't this set quite creature focused? Uh, yeah, definitely. Fairly, yeah. So this seems like a lot of four mana draw spell seems pretty uninspiring. Yeah, yeah. I think like yeah. the same mana cost as the Aven Surveyor. Like at least you're getting a body on the field with you know some upside with the ability as well there. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think I'll pass on this. Yeah, I agree. So up next we have Gorswine. That's two in a red for a four-one creature. It's a ball. <laughs> Uh, no, very easy no. Yeah, I agree there. Just very easy no. Probably not even a consideration, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't think you ever play it. I don't think it ever gets through. No, no. Yep. So up next, we've got Frontier Mastodon. It's two and a green for a 3-2 elephant. It has Ferocious. So it enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it if you control a creature with power four or greater. Uh, I think the, the sort of non-kicked version... Yeah. Like the non-ferocious version is pretty uninteresting because it's uh, got two toughness. Yeah. So you're just getting blocked by manifests and morphs all day. Yeah. Um, and then, like, if you already have a four-power creature, I don't know, that's probably okay. It's yeah, probably, so like, a... Do you know how, yeah, how like easy a... it was to trigger the, what you call it, ferocious? Ferocious. Is it fairly easy? Can't quite remember, to be honest. Uh, I think, like, if you're in the right deck, like a Abzan or, like, Teemo deck, then it might be possible, um, but you're kind of going to see it happening more late game. Whereas yeah, I, I think, think for, for three mana, it's something you're probably going to want to play early game. Yeah, because, I mean, most, most creatures in yeah. the format with, um, with four-power or greater are... Are like the like low cost ones have like embarrassingly low toughness, so they're just as bad. Yeah. So you're gonna be you're gonna build a deck that's very soft to the manifest creatures, and then if you're playing it, if you're casting this on turn eight after casting a big creature, I don't know. It's probably an okay filler creature for the curve, but I'm not taking it over uh, a flying mana wall. Yeah, I agree. No. <laughs> I think that the other thing is like there's plenty of morphs in the set, so you're never gonna miss a three drop. Yeah, that is that's true. Right, true. Of course, up next we have Alicia's Vanguard. That's a three in a black for a three three orc warrior. It has dash for two and a block. Uh, no. <laughs> I thought it was Don't... quite respectable, but it's certainly not better than the um, the Aven. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, like three mana for three three, like temporary creature with haste is like fine. Um, I guess you can play it for four mana if like you really need a blocker or something. But yeah, that Aven Surveyor is just just doing work. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. Next, we come to Defiant Ogre. That is five and a red for a three-five. It's an ogre warrior. When it enters the battlefield, choose one. Put a plus one plus one counter on Defiant Ogre, or destroy target artifact. Ugh, that's basically a vanilla creature, right? Yeah, pretty much. Mm. I mean, how how big are artifacts in the set? Like not. Uh, yes, not. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I, I agree, remember. Yeah. Not really a big deal like? at all. Like you had like some of like the I think it was like the war banners or like the the key runes or something. But yeah, I think the the Aven Surveyor just beats this. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, cool. Sure. So next up, we come to our last of the commons. And it is mm-hmm. Whisperer of the Wilds. That is one and a green for a zero two human shaman. Uh, you can tap it to add one green to your mana pool. Or Ferocious, tap it to add two green to your mana pool. 
activate this ability only if you control a creature with power four or greater. How big are the ramp payoffs? Um, the ramp payoffs. The uh, you get like some decent creatures, but I think some of the better ones also have delve as well, so it's not that big of a deal. Sure. I mean, a mana accelerant is always going to be good in draft, mm-hmm. and one that potentially is going to generate two mana for you would be pretty yeah. good as well. I, I think. Are you getting the mana when you need it though? Like, you certainly won't help you get like the three drops out faster. Like, maybe if there's like a particularly big uh, flip cost on your morph creatures, or if there is a big creature you particularly want to play. Yeah. So I might fit into some of the better than others. Mm-hmm. I still think it's it's going to be difficult to get rid of uh, the Avon. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is bad. I mean, I like mana creatures that can also just attack. And, like, this is an O2. Yeah, I do quite like Whisper of the Wilds, but I think the Avon Surveyor just does have a slightly bigger upside. Man, this sets exactly like M19. <laughs> we, open good, we open a good card, nothing changes. And then... <laughs> sure. Oh, so sweet, okay. First uncommon, then. Uh, we have Lotus Eye Mystics. That's three and a white, or a three-two with prowess. And when it enters the battlefield, return target enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, also, no. Yeah, yeah it doesn't sound great. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't remember what enchantments being particularly great. What? Um, what? What's this actually? F- like was there there wasn't really a heavy enchantment theme right yeah no I'll really. try to remember myself yeah um, I guess there would be uh, obviously you'd have like the ascendancies so I guess if somebody got rid of your ascendancy you could sure. bring it back to your hand uh, but you got rune marks and then like sieges I guess are pretty good but like yeah. there's there's no sort of synergy of like you know enchantments that, like like a seal of fire effect when there's like proactively sacrificing the enchantment or anything yeah so yeah it's almost like you'd only care about the extra text if they had an erase effect or something like that i'm not even sure if that was in the set yeah this seems pretty mediocre. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I think it's a no for the Lotus Eye Mystics there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next up we have Ruthless Instincts. It's two and a green for an instant. Uh, choose one. Target non-attacking creature gains reach and death touch until end of turn. Untap it. Or target attacking creature gets plus two plus two and gains trample until end of turn. What was the mana cost again, sorry? Uh, two sure and a green. Hmm. It's an okay combat trick. I think it's uh, certainly respectable as a combat trick, but again, doesn't beat the Aven for me. Yeah, I'd rather I, I agree there. Like, I feel like if this is your pack one, pick one, you're probably going to have a bad time. But yeah, <laughs> sure. yeah, I could true. see this coming back on the wheel easily. Like, for example, if we did yeah. end up taking that Whisper of the Wilds, we know we're in a green deck, this comes back on the wheel and we pick this up, and it's a nice inclusion for the deck. Sure. But I, th- yeah. I think, as it stands currently, I think the Avon Surveyor might still just be the pick. Yeah, it's just great. Next up, we come to our last of the uncommons, uh, is Fascination. That is X Blue Blue for a sorcery. Each player draws X cards, or <laughs> each player puts top X cards of his or her library in his or her graveyard. Yeah, I don't think we have to discuss this one. <laughs> <laughs> just a straight no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like a strictly better brain geyser, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Each player, mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. Is that what we want? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> You'd have to go real deep on Delve to make this worth yeah, it. I yeah, agree. Really cool. So we come to our rare. Uh, we have Mardu Strike Leader. That is two and a black for a three-two human warrior. Whenever it attacks, put a two-one black warrior creature token on the battlefield. Or you can pay three and a black uh, to cast it for its dash cost. I love this card. Yeah, me too. It's great. Yeah. I tried aggressively to make this work in standard. Yeah, uh, me too. And I didn't succeed. No. But I. 
I quite like that. I like Tecumus, I think. Yeah, I think so. Like, playing it on, on turn three would probably be fine. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you just, like, just need to dash it out. Like, if you draw it late game and there's a bit of a board stall and you just need to dash it out for whatever reason, like, that's something you could do as well. I think there is a, a slight flexibility with the card and, you know, it, the ability is decent. Like, you're making a creature token whenever it attacks and you want to be in a deck that attacks with this as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there was, this was a format, I think, if I remember correctly, where people were, like pushing three colours so you could get in underneath people. Yeah, absolutely. So do we think it's better than the Avon Surveyor? I would probably take it. I think so, yeah. It's quite tight, but yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, we actually snap off the right here. Yeah, I agree. So we come to our land. Is it going to be a fetch land? Uh, No, (laughs) it's a jungle hollow. Okay. Cool. Definitely not the pick over the strike later. (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. So I guess in the end it kind of turned out to be a little bit like M19. Yeah, at least there was slightly more to discuss, I guess. Yeah, probably. Rather than just, this vanilla creature isn't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> there, were, there was slightly more text on the cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, most of the cards had abilities. Sweet. So, a cracker pack wrapped up for the week. Let's move on to our card of the week this week. Yeah. Uh, so, Tom, do you want to start us off this week? Sure. Um, so, my card of the week is Cabal Therapy. Awesome. Uh, why so is that's... this your card of the week? Um, I just think it's uh, a great example of the kind of things you can do in Legacy because it fits into a bunch of different decks, like combo decks want it to... Uh, get rid of force of will and make sure the coast is clear and if you only care about like cards like force of will then it's perfect for you um there's like decks like nick fit where it wants to enable other cards like veteran explorer um it works really well with young pyromancer yeah um yeah it just fits in lots of different decks and quite fills a role in all of them really yeah for sure it's definitely a quite a powerful card that i used to have a lot of fun playing in legacy uh back when i could cataxian probe into a cabal therapy you don't need cataxian probe you don't need to cataxian Broke now because the cabal therapy just reveals their hand and you cast another one it's fine yeah yeah i guess <laughs> i guess that's it i guess yeah, you got it the hard way now yeah i guess you just go <laughs> cabal therapy name and death shadow and then your opponent <laughs> will likely have one in hand yeah but then that just feels like ermac anglers yeah true true oh. to be a storm player <laughs> don't play storm it sucks yeah i'm, I'm no longer playing storm <laughs> i mean yeah just that i mean i think that's the that's the thing just don't play storm yeah <laughs> they do kind of keep printing cards that hose it unfortunately yeah yeah, really specific cards a lot of the time as well. Yeah, um, but I do, I do like Cabal Therapy a lot. I think it, it is a great card, and it's one of those cards. You, did, that you don't see cards like it anymore. Yeah, um, like with like alternate costs like that. It's I think it's a really interesting side of the game that. Um, has kind of fallen out of favour, and I'm not really sure why. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing because because I mean you can point to older cards that are like stupid, and you can see why they don't do that kind kind of thing anymore. <laughs> sure, and stuff like. I mean, like stuff like protection, they're, they're like really trying to get away from. This kind of effect, like sac- sac- flat, uh, flashback sacrifice creature, it's like something they could definitely do. A duress sort of effect is perfectly reasonable. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, dude, can you imagine if they printed this in standard? Yeah. I mean, they could. It would be fine in standard. I think it'd be. Would it be too good for modern? Uh, probably. Pyromancer decks with Cabal Therapy seems pretty, pretty obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty um, I mean, Marty's already a deck. But exactly. So you just put Cabal Therapy in it, you just, mm-hmm. just make it much, way too good. I, uh, I think it would just be too good for modern. That's a shame. We'd be fine for standard though. Yeah, I mean, there's those cards that we like busted in modern that'd be fine for standard. Yeah, I think yeah, that might yeah, be sure. might be quite <clears throat> quite an interesting episode to do at some point in the future. I think like you know 
legacy staples or powerful cards in a format that would be great to see printed in standard that may yeah. not be not be uh, not be fair in modern yeah I agree that's cool. all sweet mm-hmm. awesome so Sam what is your card of the week this week I've got two <laughs> cool because <laughs> I don't care about the rules yeah bending the rules fine um, <laughs> as I always do so I have um, a small amount of, of preamble so uh, on Friday after FNM we went to the pub briefly yeah uh, having a discussion about what the modern Power 9 would be. Okay. Mm. Uh, yeah, which is an interesting discussion, which we definitely don't have time for now. Um, <laughs> but, so, we were sort of trying to pick a card that... So, we put the Tronlands in there, sure. um, because it's, it's archetypal. We put stuff like Art Barometer in there, because, you know, Affinity's been a deck for the... As long as the format's existed. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to make a case for either Ancient Stirrings, which is one of my cards of the week, yeah. or Faithless Looting, which is my other card of the week. Okay, cool. Um, and because I think that they are currently... I'm not sure which is which is better, which is worse, but I think they are the two best cantrips in modern currently. Yeah, I I would agree. That's there, quite probably. the claim. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just it, it's because of the because of the complexion of the format because uh, Faithless Looting is obviously busted when you compare it with Hollow One and all of the nonsense going on in the Hollow One deck. Yeah, they're uh, they're cards that generally would have a little bit of a downside like on the face of it but you mm-hmm. play them in strategies which are just like just don't care about that downside or in some cases that downside is just an upside to them exactly, so yeah, you, exactly. you cast your you cast faith is looting you get to draw two new cards you get to discard two bad cards you get to make a uh, make a hollow one for four less mana you get to fuel your gurmak anglers and then you get to flash it back again like it's it's the deck it fits in that makes it powerful yeah uh, and the same with Ancient Stones and stuff like the KCI deck, where you literally can't, it's literally impossible to whiff on that card. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, yeah, I mean, know. I suppose you compare it to um, your typical cantrips in blue, um, there you just don't have any decks that want to set up future turns. It's all about what's on board and what's happening now. Yeah, exactly. They, they want to find they want to find answers. And like, whereas these are sort of proactive cantrips. Yeah. So stuff like Serial Visions, like, you are like, okay, I get to draw a card, which is fine because I just cycle a card and then I need to decide whether these two cards are good enough for my next turn or turn after or anything like that. And I mean, Opt is sort of a different story because it's, you know, instant speed so you can sort of find an answer. But it just, it, I mean, Thaddeus is objectively just a proactive cantrip. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the people I was speaking to about the, the modern Power 9 were saying that they, these, those cards weren't good enough and I would say currently that I would probably put at least one of them in, in a sort of modern Power 9 as like among the nine most powerful cards in the format yeah I, I think that if if Time Twister is allowed to be in the actual Power 9 then Ancient Stirring should <laughs> yeah. be in the modern Power 9 like, <laughs> I actually to be fair I actually had an argument about that I said if we had a, a, a modern Power 9 similar to the actual Power 9 then Time Goyf would be the Time Twister of it <laughs> because I mean there Maybe. was a there was a yeah. time when uh, there was a time when Time Twister was good, right? I mean, Time Twister see, still sees play. Exactly. Yeah. You see, still play Time Goyf. It's just embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you can, but why would you? Uh, I don't know, because <laughs> you're playing Zoo for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've already registered about 75, so you might as well play Time Goyf. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the reason. Um, but yeah, I just think, like, I think those cards are inherently... It, it, obviously, it does depend on the context of the format, but those cards are inherently... Well, that's what I was about to say. Um, I think, they're, like, in a vacuum, they're not necessarily great cards, but it's all about what you can enable with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like, Art by is not a particularly great card, but when you yeah, sure, add, sure. Or add the rest of the Affinity or the Hardened Scales deck as it is now, yeah. it's busted. So Yeah, I don't I mean, know if I would put Arc Brand Ravager in there myself, but Mox Opal would be in there for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It was like a card from Affinity, but like it's not just Affinity, right? It's like the KCI deck and everything like that. Yeah. And Lanson. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like the Tron Lands are, in, are inherently not that powerful if you don't have Khan. <laughs> yeah. Surely true. there's something you can do with a, a ton of colourless matter, even if it's not Khan. Yeah, but no, but it's really, it's really bad if you don't have Khan. Yeah, you can, you can make 
Mickey Nugan or a walking ballista or a hanging back walker or a yeah, thought not see her or... yeah but you don't have any of those cards and it's crap <laughs> <laughs> just, just like faithless looting it's just it's crap if you don't have a hollow one right yeah, yeah but they always anyway. have at least two <laughs> yeah I know I know um, yeah so that's my I just thought it was an interesting discussion and like I, I think it's I still think it's weird that the best country is among the red and green yeah I, I <laughs> and it's like and there's a big drop off in power level between the next one which I think is odd yeah I, I would agree there definitely mm-hmm. sweet have you got one card for your card of the week Joe? I do yeah and uh, yeah speaking of crap cards uh, come to my card <laughs> of the week which is Leonan Bowler so tell us why it is a it is a common from Darksteel uh, it costs one mana it's an artifact uh, it's equipment uh, equipped creature has tap unattached Leonan Bowler tap target creature equip one why yeah so it turns out this card is just really good in, in like strange limited formats uh, I managed to 3-0 both of the chaos drafts that I played this week and both of those decks contained a Leon and Bowler that just put in so much work. See, so you say it's strange draft formats. I'm sure it was fine, like back in the day. Yeah, like it was. I assume it was probably fine back in Darksteel. But I think when you have like various like value creatures or you know value spells from like other sets, like other blocks to stick it on, then like it just does ridiculous things. Uh, so in like the the first draft that I did, when I ended up drafting like white blue with a lot of splash of black, uh, I had like a lingering souls and stuck it on like lingering souls tokens uh, and then like the second draft ended up like uh, black green and uh, even with that like sticking it on like the eldrazi spawn that the nest invader makes was like certainly a thing sticking it on like a hexproof creature as well like, it does like a surprising amount of work and it's one of those it's cards that yeah, yeah like, no, I, I don't even think i was aware of this card until this week yeah, it's I mean, just I, done I, so I much work you had to google it and you told me what it was so i have no idea what that is <laughs> and why would i we talked about it a little bit earlier you compared it to icy manipulator yeah it yeah. just occurred to me talking about all the spawn tokens and things like that what you, one thing you can't do with ice manipulator that you can do with this is just equip this tap your guy equip it to a different creature tap your guy yeah and just spend all your mana tap your team and get through with the guy that needs to get through yeah absolutely like yeah, that's really yeah when you're doing stuff with like like I mean, even if it's a case of just like tap down their flyer getting in with your flyer so obviously the creature that i worked really nicely with in uh, the second draft that I did was my, my pack one pick one was a Butcher of Malika and just being able Ooh. to like tap down their flyers get mm-hmm. that in with a bit of damage was like amazing I imagine it works really well with Vigilance creatures yeah oh, fairly well with Vigilance creatures well you get into attack first I guess and then tap stuff down in there I suppose you turn before his attacker and do it before yeah. the block yeah that's the thing I was thinking about but it's like maybe that's not that great no <laughs> if they have more than one block <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, this seems like the kind of thing you'd put in a commander deck, Tom. <laughs> That's slander. I've, I've, <laughs> seen, I've seen worse cards in your Jokamine deck. <laughs> yeah, it is. Mm. It's just a very odd card. Uh, mm-hmm. and just kind of want to give it some love because it certainly, certainly performed exceedingly well for me this week. And then we will never speak of it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah go <laughs> to Fortnite and I would have forgotten about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Awesome. So... Wait. Shall we move on to our main topic right. this week? Uh, yeah. So our main topic this week is legacy. It's all things legacy, really. Mm-hmm. I just want to go through the format, like, you know, what it's like, what the metagame is. I mean, what just what it is, really. Yeah, for sure. So we've got Tom on as a special guest this week to take us deep on legacy. So what is it about legacy that, I guess, interests you? Like, what sort of captures your attention when you kind of take legacy on as, like, your, your main format or your, your favourite format as such? Well, I think it's a couple of things. Um, the first thing that keeps it interesting for me is how diverse it is, um, yeah. how you can play quite a large event and play a different deck every round. Um, there's, like... Uh, not really a top deck in Legacy. There's like a few like that you could call tier one. Yeah. 
um, that you're more likely to see. But there's always going to be people showing up with pet decks and things like that. Um, and they they tend to compete better because these pet decks can uh, operate on such a different axis to what you're used to. Yeah. And it's like I was saying earlier about like how the in Legacy the card pool's bigger, so you've got much more unusual effects going on. Um, so like strategies you see tend to be a lot more uh, diverse as well. So like if you could talk about other formats, you might talk about how you might have aggro decks, combo decks, control decks, and so on. Yeah. Um, you have that in Legacy, but you tend to see them in like lots of different combinations of that. Like you might have aggro control and combo control, and everything in between, really. Like even if you talk about like combo in general, you might have like fast and slow spell-based combos. You've got fast and slow permanent-based combo decks, and so on. There's just such a huge variations in what you could play or play against yeah for sure it is definitely one of those formats where like i know i've been in a room of like 18 players at an event and everybody's playing a completely different deck but you Mm -hmm. know that you know any one of those players could make the top eight i think that is something that's fairly recent um with the banning of death right shaman yeah i would agree there obviously that's had a huge impact on the format i say like during the death right shaman era um i agree that like death right was uh, causing a lot of decks to look quite kind of similar, where you just like jam all the best cards in, and yeah. you can cast them all because of Deathrite Shaman. And yeah, I think it's... over the history of the format, that's uh, a bit of a blip, if you like. Um, where like very, if you look back over a few years, there's still like a lot of decks that are uh, doing different things. Yeah, because I mean, if you look, so if I'm looking at um, the MTV and MTG Goldfish Legacy Met game, as it has it. <clears throat> the top six decks are Grixis Control, Death and Taxes, Blueback Death Shadow, Sneak and Show, Miracles, and Eldrazi Stumpy, and those are all wildly different decks. Absolutely, yeah. Um, sure. Like, there's some crossover between Grixis Control and Death Shadow, but, like, they're very, very different. Um, and then there's some, obviously, some crossover between the Control and Miracles, but, like, there's so there's such different decks. Um, and, like, it just, just proves that, like, um, sort of an aggro tempo deck is, is viable, like, just a straight aggro deck in the Eldrazi deck, or, like, Control decks are actually very reasonable in the format. Um, and then you can just play like sneak and trick. And it's a really sweet and diverse format because you can play whatever you want. Yeah, pretty much. So how, I guess, for a player sort of looking up in, to like move up into the format from something like like Modern, for example, um, how, like, what would you recommend? Well, it's something we talked about recently about how there's actually um, a lot of good ways you can jump from Modern to Legacy, really. Um, mostly because uh, Wisdom in pushing creatures in such a way that if you look at creatures that are played in Legacy today, most of them have modern borders. They're modern legal. Um, so a lot of the decks that you might see in modern that are quite creature-based in general probably will transition quite well. Like You talked about Eldrazi being one of the best decks in the format, yeah. and there's an awful lot of modern cards in that deck. Mm-hmm. Um, or Merfolk, as spoke about earlier, like modern Merfolk is shares a lot of cards with the legacy version um yep. and there's like a surprising amount of modern decks that you think probably could just jump straight across yeah for sure uh, i know myself that was kind of one of the things that attracted me to the the blue black death shadow deck i was saying earlier was the fact that oh, i already owned most of the deck because i had it built for modern so i found it yeah, very sure. easy just to port across in the legacy even if you're looking like for a cheaper option burn's very respectable uh, that yeah. will like very happily like take uh, more experienced like players down if they're not prepared for it yeah absolutely like i know that is a deck that i have struggled playing against myself like as as a former storm player like if they just mm-hmm. get to resolve an idol on then like as a storm player you're not gonna have a very fun time i think i would like <laughs> to clarify when you say respectable you mean we'll do well in tournaments 
performance, right? Because if you play Burn, you're not a respectable person, right? Nah, I, I, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. Burn is a legitimate strategy that is taken down for two hours. Yeah, there's there's nothing I hate more than having my opponent go turn one lava spike. That's just not magic, is it? About turn one goblin guide. That's fine because I can block it. <laughs> On turn Save one, magic folks. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Attack some <laughs> creatures. Attack. Yeah, I can't see. I don't play blue, so I can't can't have spells. Sure. So. Sure. <laughs> maybe maybe that's the issue. Maybe that's just the issue. Then maybe you you should just play blue. Uh, yeah. Okay. Do you want to send me some underground seas and traps and stuff? Uh, I mean, if you pay me for them, maybe. Uh, then no. <laughs> this is my problem. I can't. I can't afford. Sure. I think that is that is one of the main barriers to the format, right? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Like it's expensive like she was talking about the Death Shadow deck it's easy to transition from like um, so most of it's modern legal yeah so you've got like brainstorms and forces like forces have had a recent reprint they're not too bad but I mean it's, it's, it's the reservedless cards right so most of this deck is relatively uh, cheap and then you've got force of and you've got underground seas yeah um, and I mean underground seas what have they got 750 $750 yeah. um, I don't want to go too into deep into too much depth on the reserve list because that's a whole different kind of worms but like it or love it it's uh, sorry that's not what I meant um, <laughs> love it or hate it um, it's around to stay I think it's not going anywhere um, so that means that these cards aren't really going to get any cheaper Yeah, um, I think the only one. silver lining of that is if you do want to jump into the format then these cards are pretty safe investments yeah. Um, so the cards that you're going to pick up are just going to keep going up in value so yeah. like if you wanted to jump in and then decide you didn't like it further down you could probably sell the cards on for more than you bought them for yeah absolutely, yeah, absolutely. there's also the fact that you know most of these expensive reserveless cards are you know they are expensive due to the demand of the card uh, because, because people want to play the card because they are very playable in Legacy you'll find that they are playable in multiple decks like especially the lands so you mm-hmm. can find that in some cases it can be fairly easy easy to sort of transition between the decks like if you have like some of the land base already that you bought for one deck yeah i agree completely like um the main expensive cards in the format are um cards like you said like it's either lands like so like the revised dual lands yeah. um or something like lion's eye diamond which yeah. it enables a great deal of decks there aren't many uh, combo decks these days that don't use lion's eye yeah for sure yeah i think that's the thing like the, the expensive cards are the, are the staples right yeah. so the force of will obviously like is in all of the decks um, and dual lands are in all of the decks so yeah. I think that's that's obviously like informing the price on them I think specifically with um, Death Shadow I've like seen quite a lot on um, on, on Reddit and in Facebook groups and stuff I think the deck is very respectable with basic lands in place of underground seas yeah I think so like especially when you have Wasteland in the format as well like mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. not really any shame in just like fetching up a basic like honestly I think like if you so you smooth out the fetches because I mean they're all, they're all over the place but like they actually play four polluted deltas I think having an island in a swamp is probably very reasonable in place of uh, the two underground seas in the deck. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, it's probably fine. I've obviously not tested it, but like in general, as a general rule of thumb, like if you're looking at a deck and thinking, oh, I don't want to splash out on dual land straight away, you could probably uh, get by on basics quite reasonably. Yeah, I, I think in that specific deck, it is like actually more important just to have the water graves because of the mm-hmm. strategy of that deck because mm-hmm. that deck wants to do yeah definitely and then, yeah it's thinking like you, you only play the underground seas because you need an, um, sometimes you'll just need untapped blue belt leather yeah and I think it's perfectly reasonable to because um, I mean we, we, we played a few games of that on Friday like and I, I piloted it for a couple of games um, I mean the underground sea could have been any land really you just like I need to fetch and I need to get uh, a land I think you only fetch it when life totals becoming an issue really and you start pushing the limits of the deck yeah and then you know what you need before you know what you want to cast you've probably got some water graves in place so the fact that you need to get a so you can cast your whatever is 
you know, about the same as getting an underground scene that deck specifically. Uh, yeah. Most of the time. Anyway, I don't want to harp on again about Death Shadow constantly. That's what I'm meant to do. Uh, I think that deck's sweet, generally, and I'm really glad that like it's sort of been broken. Like someone's come up with a, like a correct list for it. Which is just one thing I was going to say earlier when I talk about the diversity of the format, where um, when it was announced there's a Pro Tour format when they had the team event, um, mm-hmm. there's some people saying that I oh, we really don't want this to be as a Pro Tour format because the pros might break it. But it just looking at like the results, it, like obviously this is a breakout deck, but. It just didn't happen. Like there was quite, yeah. there's still like quite a wide variety of decks being played. Yeah, I mean the, the thing that the thing that broke that they broke in the format is that reanimating a Street Wrath on turn one in a Death Shadow deck is pretty good. Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's that's the thing they broke. Everything else is just it's just a fair tempo deck. Like it's just a fair Delver deck. I mean, yeah, like, I mean like uh, you joke, but I mean like paying what five life for a three four we Swamp Walk turns out to be fine. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's part of the reason why it still dies to plow anyway, and this deck just folds to plow. So, I mean, it doesn't fold. We're not getting as bad as but you know what I mean. Like, it's it's perfectly beatable. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I definitely had those. I mean, not quite worries, but I, you know, it was definitely a it's like concern going into that pro tour that there was going to be like one or maybe like two like clearly defined like these are the best deck and you know all of the cards in those decks are just going to spike up in price and nobody is ever going to be able to afford to you know jump into the format uh, but we did see I mean, quite the opposite to be honest the field looked really diverse and um, you know we didn't we didn't see any copies of brightling make the top eight mm-hmm. you know, kind of <laughs> like yeah i think it was just it was really refreshing to watch it at that sort of professional level i think as well yeah for sure um i think it's a shame that we don't have the star city games opens being uh, show it anymore yeah. but, um, I, I suppose it leads into um, the Reduke announcement about how they're going to follow him in the next GP yeah totally so that is something really cool that Channel Fireball have announced uh, that the, the next Legacy GP they're going to uh, I guess sort of tell a story in a way to be honest so they're going to follow Reduke every single round that he, he is still live for uh, you're going to uh, yeah I mean they, they didn't explain exactly how they're going to do it with like the, the sort of cameras and stuff but it looks like you're going to get like a sort of player's perspective so you get to like see his hand and see see him you know making all of the plays and I guess sort of put yourself in, in his shoes really as he goes through a whole legacy GP yeah it's pretty this... exciting to think about um, how they're going to do that and what's going to get shown but it give you a feel for actually running through a legacy tournament which would be great yeah I mean, it's when he just goes X2 drop right <laughs> <laughs> and we get to watch like no magic whatsoever I mean you know Reed Re- Duke has like a like an almost 70% win rate so I can't imagine that's going to happen yeah but the, you know, the one time that it actually matters that he does well. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one, the one that he does uh, terribly at. He, I mean, he won't because he's rejuke and he's really good at magic. But <laughs> you know, just try and make a funny joke, Joe. Just let me, just let, just let, let me have my bad joke. Sure, sure. There we go. <laughs> Sweet. I mean, I think yeah. I think like I agree with Tom. Like the reason I because I, I played like all sorts of formats and like modern was my sort of my format for a while. Yeah. Um, and then like I just started playing Legacy. I was like, why? Why do I bother playing any other format? Because <laughs> it's it's just so much fun, like the the, the things you can do. Because I mean, I play the same I play the same decks in every format. Like if there's like a green white creature mid range deck that's available to play, I will play it. Um, even if I mean, it's not available, you'll play it. Even if it's not available, right? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Because like, I, I play Maverick, and like that's not. I mean, there was hype like after Death Rush, Death Rush got, got banned that Maverick would be like one of the top dogs. It turns out just straight Death and Taxes is just better. Um, but I like playing that deck because like, I like to play green sunset. I like to play mana creatures and Night Runner crew. Um, still decent. But yeah, that's the thing. Like, it, it's not a well-represented deck. You like it, it rarely top eight events, but like it's still a deck, and I can still do well with it. Um, and I mean, even at the the Legacy GP in Birmingham, I played like a kind of bad version of the deck. 
because it was fun because that's what I wanted to do it's like I'm going to play Legacy all day I'm going to have fun um, and it was still I still managed to put reasonable results and like take down some difficult matchups and like beat the Grixie Star Wars all the time and like beat le- uh, lands and stuff like that so you can sort of pick up anything yeah. Um, give it a go. I mean, because I mean, I've I've really messed about with my Maverick deck recently. Uh, putting Aether Files and Flecker Wisps in it, which is almost objectively terrible. But it's all reasonable. Like, you, you, as long as you're playing like legacy cards, they're still yeah. strong cards. Exactly. Like, you, you put strong cards in the deck, and they'll probably do quite well. This format's so great. That's that's just how I feel. I think the thing I really like about the format is that, like, because everything costs so little mana. You actually have more decisions to make, yeah. and each decision make uh, each decision is more important. Um, so, like, even if it's just something like cracking a fetch land, you have to think about: Do I fetch a duel, and do I have to worry about wasteland or prize of progress? Um, do I have to worry yeah, about side? Can I actually cast these cards in my hand if I fetch a basic? So, yeah, there's like so many different, th- and then like all the cards in your hand that might cost one mana. So, you think about like sequencing is so much more important. Yeah, I mean, I like in the last couple of months, you've played decks that either cost all one mana or or have like more droth of the grave tide in them. <laughs> <laughs> when do I sequence this six mana creature? <laughs> um, I think that's the thing. I think part of the problem with people's preconceptions of legacy is that they think that um, you know you, you have wasteland, you have force of will, and like often you'll see board states where there are like no permanents in play or like there are no lands in play. Yeah. And so about like, the amount of decisions, the amount of thinking that you've had to do to get to that point where it looks like nothing's happened, where there's just like a flipped Delver in play and like like but there's like ten cards in the graveyard because there've been so many different things that have happened. Um, and like people, I think people are worried about Force of Will. Like I think people that haven't played a lot of Legacy think Force of Will is a stupid Magic card. Yeah, it's, it's arguably it's, not great. It's just fine. Like it's just fine. That's the thing. Yeah. That you, is that you're like, oh, they have a force will, great, okay. It doesn't it doesn't feel as bad as your opponent crypting you, crypting in you in modern. Like, I've felt worse after my opponent's cast a cryptic command than I have about a force of will most of the time. Because um, it's just there, like, okay, I, I don't get to cast this. Um, and then they're down two cards, like... It's so much if you just side it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, sure. I, I think most people side out force of wills against me, because there's just no point. Um, and it's just there as like the sort of like the BS checker, right? That's what that's what it's there for. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's like I mean, I think Thoughtseize is comparable in modern. Where it's just it's just a statement form that you have to have because you need to check stuff and you just play it in the main deck because you, you just need to have it because you could just get run over by a combo deck or you can get run over by another blue deck. Um, yeah, sure. It's it's such a it's such a strange format, and I think I had a lot of preconceptions of it before I actually started playing it. And then when I started playing it, I was like, it's 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 clearly just it's not the best format because it's not Commander, is it? But <laughs> it's it's certainly it's not cube either. Oh, yeah. Why are we bothering? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the third best format. It's the, it's the best. Maybe. It's the best. Cons- uh, it's the best competitive constructed format, like hands down. And I don't think that's remotely close. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. I think it's different formats appeal to different people for different reasons. But I, I definitely think if you could. If there was a way to sort of like lower the price barrier in the legacy, I think you would see generally like a lot more people playing the format. Because it is <laughs> just. It just feels like a lot more interesting than. A format like modern or standard. That's the thing. That's why I don't. But I don't understand people that like you know modern players who foil out their decks. Yeah. You know, when you see John, it's also John player with expeditions and foil. <laughs> books, right? yeah. It's always the John player. Why have they put all that money into that one? They could just buy some like underground seas and force worlds and like have a good time. I think it's understandable if they enjoy modern and that's their thing. But yeah. you can't foil out your John deck and say legacy's too expensive. Yeah, exactly. We could have gone into 
like a couple of duels and then you can actually play that John deck in Legacy. And it would suck. It makes me so happy and it's so bad in Legacy. Yeah, I mean, like, to be honest, like, look at the prices that some of the modern decks are getting and compare them to some Legacy decks nowadays. It's like, yeah, barely, you know, it's, it's almost comparable in some places. I mean, it's thing, like, so I, I'm going off um, MTG Goldfish because I don't, I don't know how, um, how respectable it is, like, but, I mean, Death and Taxes, which is arguably one of the best decks in the format currently. Yeah. I think the meta is shifting. I think the meta is shifting, but, like, you just put Thales in your deck and you're probably going to have a great time. Um, it's currently listing like the average price of a deck as $1,196. So the deck contains no reservist cards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, It's one of the decks where it is sort of easier or, or cheaper to get into. Um, most of the cards have seen reprints like fairly recently. And mm-hmm. yeah, it just like it doesn't play... I mean, most builds of the deck just don't play any reserveless cards, so you yeah, don't have to worry about like you know your dual lands or your you know your tabernacle or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, the most expensive cards in that deck are Stoneforge Mystics, and that's so expensive because speculative modern players, <laughs> um, Aethervals, which is just like a, a multi-format staple. Yeah. Um, Caracas, which has recently had a reprint, like it's gone back up again. Rashad and Port, which has recently had a reprint, so it's much cheaper than it was. Yeah. You can pick up a set of Rashad and Ports for. Um, just under a hundred bucks, which is nuts. Um, and four wastelands, which is just open in the format, and like the rest of it is relatively cheap. Yeah, um, it's just and like there's no reservist cards, and it's a very very competitive good deck. And I mean the rest of them, like uh, the Aldrazi Stompy deck, is under two thousand dollars. And we I mean, we know we're talking about lots of money here, but comparatively for Magic decks, yeah. Well, you're talking about like a way to get into the format, and it's like I'm saying, like most of these cards are modern legal. You might have these cards already mm-hmm. for playing on a, your FNM or sitting in your binder. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, like. Oh, that's the thing once you make the initial investment like it's normally sort of fine yeah I mean like even if you don't have these cards you might end up getting two decks out of one if you want to play both formats yeah, yeah actually because I, I mean I'd never have two decks built at the same time because half my legacy deck is in my modern deck yeah because I play knights and noble hierarchs and stuff like that um, and I swap them and I go to fetch lands and I swap them over so I, I never have two decks fully built but I get to share the collection and I have two full decks you can legitimately play both yeah I just like have to have a problem like <laughs> someone's like do you want to play modern I'm like okay, give me a second like I need to actually switch everything out, um, but yeah, like it's and I think that's how because I, I was I was playing Legacy before and I was playing Elves, um, and then you know adult life happens and you have to sell your guys' cradles, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the guys' cradles spike after you've sold them and you feel really bad. Uh, <laughs> but I got uh, so I got this and I, I was like, oh, I'm never gonna play Legacy again. It's just too expensive. Reserve is ridiculous. It's just too expensive. And I just slowly acquired them because I, I had most of the deck. I just needed Savannas. I think was the thing. Like because everything else is relatively easy to acquire. It is just reservist cards. So what, I mean, I mean, it's not completely embarrassing to just play Temple Gardens. Just to play Shotguns and play some jewels is not. It's perfectly respectable. Uh, and then you just I mean, got... if you showed up to like a Legacy FNM with Shotguns, I would not laugh at you. I'd just be stoked you playing the format. Exactly. Yeah, that, sure. That's. And I think that's the thing. And I think that's what I found with Legacy players. Like. The community is so nice. Like I've never had a bad interaction with a legacy player. Uh, okay, that's that might be a, a, a bit of hyperbole, but <laughs> compared to like the saltiness and everything I've found with standard players, uh, especially at big tournaments, uh, the legacy is more of a community, and people are just excited that you're there playing the game. Yeah. Rather than you're there, like when people register burn, I want to punch them in the face because I hate burn. But <laughs> it's, it's perfectly reasonable to turn up to, to an FM with, with burn and just like play the play the format because you want to play it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, that, that's the thing. Like, um, people just want you to play. Like, if you put, if you want to play the uh, the black green depth deck, uh, which I think has fallen out of the format a little bit, uh, but with overgrown tunes, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Because Bayou's a stupid money. Um, and just just play it and just just play the format because it's great. And like, I imagine most people are allow proxies. You can't mm-hmm. sanction it. But if you're like, oh, these overgrown, can I use these overgrown tunes as Bayou's? Like. 
sure. I just want to play Magic because it's the best format and I want as many people as possible to play it. I, uh, I have separate issues about, you know, proxies and, and counterfeits and, and that. That's a total, total aside to that. So I, I would feel strange about allowing somebody to use a proxy. But at the same time, like if somebody wanted to like borrow any of my reserve list cards that I'm not using, I would happily like lend them out. Like, yeah, sure. you want to... That's fine. Yeah, yeah like you want to borrow my underground seas if I'm not using them. Like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Like you want to borrow like, whatever, like absolutely. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Like I remember a couple of legacy groups on Facebook and like I'm routinely seeing people saying, do you want to borrow cards? Do you want to lift to an event? All this kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, that's one of the reasons like I got into the format in, in the first place is just, like the community was so welcoming, like trying to put your first deck together and what you might need to beat a certain metagame or what have you. Um, yeah, and that's sure. definitely something that helped me get into the format in the first place because the people that I was playing with were so helpful uh, with me like putting my first deck together. Yeah, absolutely. And like you, the ability to sort of play what you want. Um, like there's not a hard establishment again currently. Uh, so like obviously like Grease's Control, uh, Death Shadow, Dev Taxes are sort of on the top. But like, like we said before, there's, there's loads of stuff that you can that you can do that still respects when you can play what you want. Sure. Uh, and there's not even like stock lists inside of decks, right? Like each different deck list can be off by like ten different cards, but can still be considered the same deck. Yeah, sure. So there's certainly room to um, play what you want and play what you enjoy. And I think I, I found it in standard modern, you just sort of play what's good, right? Um, there's uh, in modern, I suppose you can play what play what you like, and you can. Um, pick decks that are more tuned to your sort of playstyle, but Legacy you can pretty much pick exactly what you want, and there will be a deck that's competitive that will suit that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like if you look at something like Grixis, then like it's a bit of a, a big catch-all, but like you can fit so many different variations within that if you want to play a pet card or you've got different preferences like um i don't know you've got like true names and uh Gurmag anglers and your pyromancers and all these different finishing cards but you can play whatever you want really yeah sure the actual 75 is up to you and you're still going to be competitive absolutely sweet do we have anything more to say on legacy before we move on no nothing from my end really i think that it's it's a format that feels like it it seems a little bit intimidating at first but once mm-hmm. you start to play it, once you get involved in the legacy community, you find that any sort of notion of that is just blown out the water. And it's yeah, it's a format that I love a lot, and I would love love, and I would hope to see that it does continue long into the future. It seems like it's shown to be popular, yeah. um, even with the barrier to entry. It's um, still being like you said about it being on the pro tour now. There's still GPs. There's still these large events that. Are, driven by legacy players yeah um, definitely things like eternal weekend like yeah bom as well on yeah. france yeah, yeah i think so okay. yeah so i i think like obviously we you know leaving the reserve list, list aside like that whole conversation around it i think like there is still a way for the format to exist and to grow like into the future like if they if they do decide that they are going to keep the reserve list as a thing like there's nothing stopping them reprinting the cards on a, a digital basis so mm-hmm. oh of course that's yeah so I, I think like it's far as like the reserve list goes my stance on it is that they they don't even need to have that conversation when they can reprint the cards digitally so if they want to push things like arena and magic online for sort of like the older formats or even like for the forefront of like the future magic in general then they can easily reprint the cards on there they can make the formats accessible there if they want to yeah i don't think dual lands in this example are really worth a great deal at all on much getting online no they're no, not you... no fetch lands <clears throat> are, worth, are worth considerably more than dual lands yeah a four underground seas which is the most expensive dual land in paper is uh about 60 dollars for four of them yeah online which is uh i mean if you're willing to invest in magic online 
uh, nothing really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, you look at the difference between like the, how much the deck costs online, how much it costs on paper, and it's like nearly a tenth of the price. So uh, I think when you do you do hear a lot of like things like oh oh legacy is dying or you know too expensive this that oh reserve list is going to kill it like I don't really don't think that's necessarily the case like when I you think about the saying that for years and it's not being shown to be true yeah absolutely I mean most of the people saying that are me so <laughs> <laughs> so you got to get rid of the reserve list it's stupid I'm like uh, anyway I only own like ten reserve list cards. I don't own power like you, Joe, so... I mean, it is stupid, and it absolutely would benefit the game if it went, but Mm -hmm. they they don't need to. They don't need to have that conversation, so I really don't see them ever doing it. I'd be surprised if it was removed, to be honest. Same. Sweet. Cool, and on that note, (laughs) um, (laughs) shall we move on to What the Deck this week? Yeah, so speaking of uh, uh, transitioning from modern into legacy, yeah, uh, this week we have a... Uh, a deck that's 5-0'd a competitive legacy league and uh, you know modern humans yes it turns out if you just put some wastelands and mother runes in that it's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll run down the deck list and then we can have a, a, a small discussion about the fact that this is just a modern deck sure. so we have uh, 4 champion of parish yeah 4 mother runes 4 noble high rock 2 dark confidant 4 kite sail freebooter 3 meddling mage 4 thylos lieutenant 4 Thalia, Garden of Thraben, 3 Mantis Rider, 3 Reflector Mage, 4 Aether Vials, 4 Ancient Ziggurat, 4 Cavern of Souls, 3 Caracas, 2 Tundra, 4 Unclaimed Territory, 4 Wasteland. So that's the the main deck. And the sideboard is 2 Graph Digger's Cage, 1 Containment Priest, 1 Aether Swan Canonist, 1 War Priest of Thune, uh, 2 Fairy Macabre, 1 Imperial Recruiter, 1 Orza Pontiff, 1 Brayer Ethereum Shaper, which is my favourite card in the deck, Uh, 2 Hostage Takers, to my bread traps and a palace trailer. Yeah, it's a really cool list. It like like you said, it really does just pretty much just seem like the like the modern deck, but it's had a had a slight upgrade with all of like the legacy silver bullets. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, like yeah, uh, for sure. If you uh, I mean, if you take out the Caracases and the uh, Tundras, like this deck is very affordable. Obviously, yeah. Mother runes are nothing, and Wastelands are just. I mean, Wastelands are Wasteland, but like it just sort of. They're not cheaper than they used to be. Yeah, I mean they're going back up again, unfortunately. But um, I think this just proves that like pretty much anything goes in the format, right? Yeah, for sure. Or does it prove that humans in modern is just busted and uh, they need to get rid of it? Uh, I yeah. personally would lean to more towards that argue, but uh, yeah, I, I think the Maybe deck a little column A, a little column B. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Like the power level of the deck is is pretty good, but. I think with this particular build specifically for Legacy, because you get you know, so many good cards out of the sideboard that aren't available in modern or might not necessarily be needed in modern. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I, I think you're right. It is a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's interesting because um, look, I've seen it played before. Like, this isn't sort of a new thing, but no. it's certainly it's certainly gaining traction. Uh, you say it's not a new thing. It actually reminds me of the old Mia Hooks decks, like the Slivers decks, where it just plays a bunch of great utility creatures. Plus, I think it was four to one at the time. Yeah. Um, but this is like very similar, but it's it's stronger by no small margin. I just love seeing Mantis Rider in Legacy. That just makes me incredibly happy. It's very stupid. Um, I'm surprised to see this deck not playing uh, Recruit with the card with that much of a slam dunk for this deck. Considering we're seeing modern play militia bugler, militia bugler. Yeah, possibly. Um, I, mean, I think 
there's a lot of cards that do much the same thing in the main. I, guess I like it in the sideboard where there are silver bullets you can go and find where you can go and find your either Swan Canonist or you can save him Priest. Or you could even find Freddy Macabre um, is as a reanimator or what have you. Mm-hmm. It's sweet. I mean, yeah, you've just got like Mind Break Trap because you need to beat Storm, I guess. Yeah. Then again, like, with. I, I do find it weird that it's got Mind Break Trap in the sideboard because you've got, uh, was it, four Thalias, four Kite Self Rebooters, and then Meddling Mage. Like, and then an Aether's One Canonist as well in the sideboard. How difficult can your Storm matchup be? I suppose it brings into question what your clock is. If you have a slow start, then maybe you need lots of hate, need multiple pieces. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Because, I mean, Death and Taxes notoriously has quite a mediocre Storm matchup, despite the fact that it looks really good to play it. Um, I suppose it's the old adage of you can tour your sideboard to beat whoever particularly want to beat that week yeah absolutely uh, I think this is sort of a hedge at that point like the side of like the Breyer. What what what's Breyer here for yeah it's mm. a good question I mean like I guess it's the grindy matchups um, sure. but I'm not a fan personally but sure I, I can see where just having like a 4-4 that generates value can be useful but that could be a bunch of different cards I think mm-hmm. so long as it's a human yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> yeah I just I just thought it was really interesting like that honestly anything goes and I mean this is this is 5 would uh, a couple of leagues at this point yeah uh, absolutely and uh, it does sort of echo back to that point of you know if you're already playing humans in modern it's really not going to cost that much to sort of upgrade this uh you, you know your tundras like might not even be that necessary like you know no shame in using like a shockland instead yeah absolutely could you get by with an island and a plains here yeah quite possibly because it doesn't play any basic lands currently and we know wasteland is a non-zero amount in the format so maybe you could just play an island and a plains instead of the i guess it's a little less relevant here if you're not playing fetch lands but um the idea remains the same well like just having an extra couple lands is fine yeah i mean i i I still don't really understand why we need because I mean, the modern human deck does it as well. Like it plays, I think it's Seachrome Coast currently. Yeah. Maybe a couple of basics uh, along with the. the I mean, Seachrome here would be fine, I imagine. Yeah, if, I, you, that's if you're playing like... Seachrome in modern, just slap that in. If you don't want to buy the Sundries. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I think Seachrome Coast would actually be fine. Uh, because I mean, if you're playing your fourth land, like you're probably not having a great time. <laughs> I th- I, yeah, I think the fourth land is like relatively useless a lot of the time. Uh, so having a Seachrome Coast is fine because you want it untapped on one to three. It's going to be untapped the vast majority of the time, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unless when it casts its hostage. It's thing. not like playing Daisy either, so you don't care about it not being an island. Yeah, true. Yeah, you just it doesn't matter what it, what it is, I suppose. Yeah, uh, yeah. Also, it's just, it's really really easy to read. Harking back to that uh, that point I was making about playing the decks on or playing the format on Magic Online as well. Um, this deck it costs four hundred sixty-seven point four nine ticks on Magic Online based on the. Uh, MTG Goldfish, which is That's pretty good. Like, yeah, it's, it's like cheaper than I'd say pretty much any modern deck in paper at this point. Yeah, probably. And it's cheaper than some modern decks on Modern Online as well. In fact, it is actually cheaper than the uh, Modern Humans on Magic Online. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. What's more expensive than the Modern Humans deck? Oh, is it uh, Horizon Canopy or something? Uh, yes, playing four copies of Horizon Canopy. That's hilarious. Uh, and you look at the two Sundries, they're less than seven ticks each. Yeah. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, Horizon Canopy is the card that's sort of bumping it up. Yeah, because it's a set of uh, a set of Horizon Canopies is worth more than a set of Wastelands. Jeez, that's yeah. upsetting. <laughs> that's very upsetting. Wow, okay. I just think, what's it eschewing from the... Ah, oh, sure, Militia Beagle. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's image. Sure. Okay. So it's really not that different to the actual, um, to the modern version. No, not at all, no. No. Sweet. What a, what a, I mean, I hate humans in modern, but I love seeing it in legacy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a weird, it's like, uh, 
like I hate playing it as Mario Paramancer in modern, but when like there was a port to Legacy, I was like, oh, that's sweet. Because you can just do what you want, just like take your modern deck and just put some jewel lands in it and see what happens. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably good enough. <laughs> I think the majority of modern decks probably could jump across. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's it. Like especially now, the format is more wide open, and you haven't got that absolute powerhouse that was Deathlight Shaman. Mm-hmm. I think it it really really did. Like with, with hindsight, it's definitely twenty twenty on this one. I think that it was absolutely the right thing just to ban that card and get rid of it. Yeah, I think we have to have that sort of a, as a closing statement to a legacy episode, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Deathlight Shaman. Uh, egregious. Yeah, I mean, like it enabled the deck at the time, and I still think it was probably the right decision for it to go. Yeah. That's the thing. Look, I registered a lot of decks with four Defo Shamans in it, and like, oh god, it, it's just a stupid card. It was the it was the second win condition of elves, and considering that's an elf deck. Like, <laughs> The f- I mean, the first win condition is attacking with 1-1s one and 2-2s. Two the second win condition is Death Rite Shaman, and the third win condition was Creative Uh <laughs> But, like, it, it was, that was the problem. It, it gave it gave so much late game to decks that didn't need it. It gave... Just the main deck graveyard description was really, really a, a, a big problem. Yeah. Why is it a 1-2? Oh, why is it a 1-2? It, it makes no sense. It could be a 0-1, and it would be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So well, we were joking before about like how I mean, it still would have been a good. fourth option. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 yeah de- I've definitely lost Death Rite Shaman beats before. Oh. <laughs> ah, well, I'm glad glad that card is gone. Uh, I think you know, given everything that's that's coming up as far as like covering the format with Reduke, um, you know, the fact that we've got some new Ravnica sets to look forward to, so some nice uh, dual coloured cards, uh, reprint of Shocklands. Hopefully, we might see some you know pretty cool things for the f- for the format going forward in the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, they still keep bringing out commander sets and yeah. um, like supplemental products where legacy cards sneak through, like Blightlink, uh, Brightlink. Yeah, is uh, a great example of that where it wasn't exactly um, printed for standard but it's still new cards coming through for the format yeah absolutely awesome so any final parting words or sort of end step stories as such on Legacy before we go today yeah uh, it's great play it <laughs> that's it you, pretty much just give it a try yeah. get in touch with Legacy community and uh, try out mm-hmm. yeah I absolutely agree there like the best thing you can do is you know reach out give it a try and like yeah like if you do want to just proxy up some decks at home with some friends Friends, like go for it. You find enjoying the format. Uh, I do, but <laughs> if you want to write, if you want to write some. You know, underground sea on a on a basic island with a sharpie at home with some friends. Like, go ahead and do it. Like, you find that like you love the format. Go check it out on Magic Online, where it's it's just considerably cheaper and maybe a little bit more accessible to you that way. Absolutely awesome. So it's about all we have time for this week. Once again, the second hour is approaching. The Godfire Horror has returned. So we'll see you again next week on Hour of Devastation. 